This is Podflix, episode number 200. I'm Paul. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck it. I'm niche. (laughs) Oh, Willie. In the fucking in the interest of just not having this be an hour and a half of silence and like little giggles the whole time, man, two hundred episodes and we're we're still twelve year olds. I was like, did they hear me? Is this working? I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's fair. That this probably wasn't very nice for you. This thing on. Um. So oh, for, for this very momentous episode, we're going to be talking about. Uh, a movie in theaters, Wakanda Forever, that we all saw magically enough. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I have a quick little story for you guys. Ooh, story time. So the other day, or a few weeks ago, um, my kid, who's eight years old, came into the bedroom in, on a Saturday morning and was like, oh, there's a there's a kitten in the road. Um oh. And we looked and sure enough, there's like a little kitten and there was like, you know, it had been like the garbage day the day before and some had spilled or whatever. And it was like eating some of the garbage. So I went out there to, I don't know, to do what I'm not sure. Um, but as soon as to get a new kit, to get a new kitten, but as soon as yeah. I got within like 20 feet, it saw me and just ran off. Okay. Oh, um, and we like tried to figure out where it went and it was like gone. We're like, all right, well, you know, I mean, it was probably not just- a lot you can do. Not much we can do. Cut to three days later, I am bringing the dog back from a walk, and I get to the front door to go inside, and I hear meowing. And after looking around, sure enough, there is a kitten under our porch, under our front porch. And I'm like, all right, well, it's, you know, it it was, you know, early November at the time, starting to get cold. And I'm like, well, I got to do something. And I put some food out for it, and it would kind of come out and eat the food. But again, if I got anywhere near it, forget it. Scurry back. And, you know, this was like during a work day, and I'm like, you know, looking out the window, trying to see if it's coming out, you know, at every opportunity or whatever, and starting to get invested. And then um, my wife gets home, and she's like, all right, well, I will ask around the neighborhood and see if anyone has, like, I have a heart trap. I was like, that feels random, but sure enough, somebody does. And they let us borrow it. And like, we set up this whole thing with like a towel and a plate full of food. And, you know, we're going to like lure it into the cage and all this stuff. And we set up the thing and my daughter's getting really, really excited. And we're like, listen, like this, we don't know anything about this. Like it may not work. And if it works, like the kitten may be really sick. And like, we haven't decided anything and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and this will probably like, you know, you hear stories like, oh, you know, we had to win the cat over, over like a week or something like that. Like, so don't, don't get too excited. Um, so I run out to the store and 10 minutes later, I get a text from my wife. It's in the cage. It just wandered (laughs) right in and it's in there. Okay. What are we going to do? Let's put it in the garage for the night and keep it warm. And then 
you know, we'll see if anybody lost a cat or whatever. Nobody lost a cat. What are we going to do? All right, well, keep it. Let's take it to the vet and see what the vet says. Um, take it to the vet. Oh my God, this cat is 100% healthy. Everything is fine with this cat. Um, now, what are we going to do? Well, keep it. We keep it. We have another cat. <laughs> Yay. Uh, and so for those of you keeping score at home, um, that brings the total number of cats in this house to three. Uh, Even with the people. Plus we have a dog. So we got we got lots of pets in this house now. And the funny thing is, I was very much anti adding any more pets to this house. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. my, my semi-serious policy was I have a one in, one out policy. Like something has to leave the house before we bring anything in. But when a kitten literally shows up on your doorstep, I don't know what, it, you know, I'm not made of stone. What are they supposed to do? You know? Right. Yeah. What's a kitten's name? Yes. The name is a point of large contention. Can we help? Can we help name it? You could absolutely help. It's a female kitten, if that makes a difference. Okay. I will take any and all suggestions. What's it look like? It is a tortoiseshell cat. So it's like okay. black and gray and a little brown and kind of all different colors okay um my the kid wants to name it abby i wanted to name the cat bob which i thought would be a funny name for a cat um and nothing is stuck so you don't want to roll reversal call it gargamel Mm. (laughs) so right now it is the kitten and this was almost four weeks ago so oh, Jesus. we're getting dangerously close to having a cat named the kitten at this point. Yeah. My, does it like you? Does it like us? Does yeah, does it like you? It you, does. You, you yeah. specifically. Me specifically? <laughs> um well I spend the least amount of time with it, but uh yeah, it's it's a friendly cat. We it's like starting to get along with the other pets. Uh, I was gonna ask, does it like the other cats and and your dog? Well, the the and, annoying and thing and is vice we, versa. we had to quarantine it for three weeks. Oh, because there's apparently there's some really really bad cat diseases and they take three weeks to show up in a test so she could have had it this whole time and have given it to the other cats um so we had to keep them quarantined but everything's fine cat's fine um so we're just we just started introducing the pets to the to each other got it it's a process yeah mm. definitely definitely a process Gotta so say, kind of, kind of, kind of like Gargamel. Gargamel. <laughs> what you have to do is you have to picture yourself yelling at the animal with the name in anger, and see how ridiculous yeah. you feel. Yeah. Well, what about what, what, what about your old standby Miss Tessmacher? Yeah, North. Oh, Miss Tessmacher would be good. Yeah. yeah. You could just call her Tessie. Tess. <laughs> yeah. Is exactly. One of your other cats named Tess. Bess. Bess. Yeah, Bess and Tess. Bess and That's Tess, not confusing at all. Yeah, that was... Wow, <laughs> uh, but Miss Tessmacher is good, though. Yeah. North I mean, Miss Tessmacher. I mean, that, was, that was your idea years <laughs> ago. And it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, it really was. All right, I'm going to bring that up. I, nobody in most of my family would get that reference, but that probably helps my case more than it hurts it. Yeah, Let's exactly. See. So if anybody nice. wants an extra kitten, let me know. <laughs> You're never giving rid of that. No, the kid is bonded to it at this point. It's not happening. Congrats on your kitten. Yeah. It's cute. I really hope it's the last pet we have for a while. 
unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did the three cats thing for a while, but I did not have a dog along with the three cats, and that is a big difference. Well, let me tell you something. Three cats are still less overhead than one dog. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> I know. The dog, the dog requires walk. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. Anyway, that's that's my story nice. of how we got yet another animal in this house. Nice, nice way to set that, that. That is our big special thing for our two under two under show. You had a kitten every every hundred episodes. You had to get another kitten. <laughs> How about one of us has to get a pet? All right, fair enough. I just did mine for two hundred. You guys can fight right. it out for who gets one at three hundred. All right, yeah, that's fair. two years from now. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. maybe longer. Yeah, gotta maybe be longer. Probably longer. I mean, if it really, if really comes down to me, I just won't mix a fucking show. <laughs> we'll be at two ninety nine forever. <laughs> For, uh, never make it. So we saw the rare movie in the movie theater. Um, and before we talk about the movie, I want to talk about how we actually came to go to the movies. Because I think for all oh. of us, that's still a pretty rare event, right? Yeah, I will say... This was it for me. This is the first movie that I've seen since oh, February of 2020 in a movie theater. Wow. A better better movie overall to uh to do this with than whatever the fuck your movie was, Paul. I can't remember now. I just remember us laughing at what it was. Oh, the first movie that I saw? <laughs> yeah, the one that you guys went back and saw it was some random random ass children's movie. It was a kids movie. It was a sequel. It was like Transylvania's something oh was it hotel transylvania whatever it is yes, whatever yes, the most recent what was. one was yep yeah 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 jesus blocked that out yeah. of my mind yep saw that. <laughs> I, I, I just remember because i was thinking about that i was like well this is it this is the first movie i'm i'm going back to um so so I, I by yourself or with somebody by myself i saw it today i uh i had the day off from work mainly because i had to take a day off in order to not lose this day uh by the end of the year so i was like no, i'll take tuesday why take a um, Tuesday? Why not take a Monday or a Friday? Um, I had shit going on on both this Monday and this Friday that it was like I can't really take this day off. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So I took so I took this day off, and it was like you know I'll just go see this movie, and then we can actually do a an episode about it. Um, and it was at noon, and it wow. was me and one other couple in the theater. Yep, that's great. Yeah, that was great. Was it, was it a Couldn't theater really that like... served food? Did you get lunch? Um, it was a theater that served food, but I didn't get lunch. I, I ate early before that. I, I had like sort of a brunch. And then... Uh, and like then you went... had a mimosa and some... Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cantaloupe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the only way to watch Black Panther Wakanda forever. That'd be great, actually. Yeah, yeah you had a day off, man. Treat yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking mimosas. Paul and I saw it on uh, Black Friday. This was kind of my my bright idea. So we had um, some days off, and I called Paul. I call you Thursday or Friday. I don't know. I pinged him in the week. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, we're gonna go see Black Friday. Black Black Friday. We're gonna go see Black Panther uh, on Black Friday. You want to go?" He was like, "I got nothing going on." I was like, "All right." So I bought tickets to the IMAX theater um, down at Jersey Gardens nice. Mall. And yes, we must stress that this movie theater is attached to a mall. And good God, 
if there's a recession going on, it was not happening at the mall that day. Oh, people Black Friday, were, right? People were parked. I mean, it's one of those towns too. It's not in the best area, so it's only three percent sales tax. Mm. It like there was people parked up on the lawn everywhere oh, on Jesus. the sidewalks. Like wow. it was just like I like. It was insane the parking at that at that mall. From from the time I pulled into like the mall complex to the time I parked was ten minutes, yeah, and and probably five hundred yards. Yeah, it was insane. But it was we saw it in IMAX theater, and that screen was nice. Screen was nice. Sound was amazing. Nice. Sound was loud. It was loud. We so, I think it's either I'm not used to it being so loud or there was not as many people or something and it was tuned for a bigger audience, but it was like, whoa. How full was this it? This is loud. 80% maybe? Oh, so decently full. Yeah, yeah it, it filled up pretty yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for you guys, it was, you know, it was Friday night on a holiday weekend, two weeks after the movie came out. Um, yeah. And for me, it's, you know, a, a month after it came out on a Tuesday at 12 <laughs> at, at noon. You, you went to the brunch showing <laughs> exactly. on a random Tuesday. <laughs> well, I looked up, um, I was looking up, um, there's just there's all these articles about Avatar coming out, right? And so the Avatar needs to make $2 billion to break even. I was like, well, I wonder how much Black Panther's made by now already. And it's, it's touching up on a billion uh, as of now. We were... Oh, really? Middle of December. It's touching up on a billion dollars between, you know, uh, domestic and international uh, box office. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. Have either of you ever had the movie theater completely to yourselves? Yeah, I don't think once, but but I once, but I rented it. That nah, doesn't count. Well, I mean, I guess it counts for the experience of being alone in a movie theater. I don't think I've ever been completely alone. But I've, there have been a couple times where it's been like it was for me today, where it's like one other like person or couple or something like that. I remember being like, I used to go to the movies a lot as teenagers and, and several times you go to the movie and you think you're going to be alone, like you and your idiot friends. And then like, you know, four previews in, like two people walk in and you're like, oh, that kind of ruins everything, you know? It doesn't really. You should have gotten and sat right next to him. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know. Hey guys, been really looking forward to this movie. How about you? I I knew where they were sitting because you know this was one of those reserved seating ones. So it's uh, like yeah. when I went, like I already saw it. it's like oh there are two seats taken, and I did sit. I mean they were right in the middle and they were in a good row, and it's like well, I don't want to sit in front of them. And so it's like I sat in the row behind them, like over one, and oh, you so know it's directly like the, behind them. <laughs> No, but even if I was, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, you know, it's it's those big fucking like lounger chair theaters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like a row behind. It's like you're like 10 feet back, you know? Sure. Yeah. I love this. I love that. I, that was I great. Love that, that, yeah. that experience. Yeah, me too. So but we yeah, felt, felt good to go back to the theater, especially in that context where it's like, well, if I was going to feel bad, it's like, as long as these people don't have anything, I think I'll be okay. That's right. Turns out they were sick as could be. Anyway, you'll find I out know, later. Right? <laughs> yeah, soon enough. So, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. A lot going on in this movie. Uh, Plot-wise and, other, and otherwise, too. Um, best place to start, I think, is probably... Well, well, first and foremost, we should let Nish summarize it, but we should preface it with a, like impossible to talk about this movie without just 
spoiling and destroying every inkling of any hope of enjoying it without us just like picking it apart here so spoilers coming yeah as as always but like you know that's especially important i think for any marvel movie since it you know goes on to stuff that comes after and you know that kind of thing sure all right you want me to do a little premise thing i guess on this one go for it all right so um this uh so black panther wakanda forever opens very quickly with um uh with sort of a a quick vignette of um of t'challa you know played in the previous movies by chadwick boseman um passing away from an illness we never see him but it, it kind of shows shuri um shuri's attempts to save him uh basically by trying to recreate the heart-shaped herb which was destroyed in the first uh black panther movie um and she's unsuccessful uh t'challa passes away and that obviously looms over you know the rest of the movie um the you know the the people of wakanda and and most specifically probably shuri and her mother ramonda who's now the queen of uh of wakanda um are grappling with a few different things. I mean, personally, they're grappling with the loss of T'Challa and how to kind of move on from that. Shuri, especially. Um, but more importantly for the plot, um, they're grappling with the fact that everybody knows how valuable vibranium is now. And so um, all the other countries of the world are trying to find vibranium in other places since Wakanda is kind of keeping the vibranium for themselves because they don't trust other nations. Uh, with it which is kind of borne out um and so other countries are searching for vibranium in doing so they um come very close to potentially um discovering a secret underwater kingdom called talokan um which is ruled by uh namor um played by tanak huerta i'm sure i'm fucked up at that name but Hopefully I didn't too bad. Um, and he basically blames Wakanda for kind of starting this whole vibranium race and kind of, uh, you know, comes, you know, basically kicks off, kicks off the main part of the plot by, um, by talking to the to Shuri and Ramonda and telling them that they have to kind of make this right basically. And, and kind of, um, We'll, we'll we'll kind of go from there but like you know that's that that's kind of what kicks it off and that's much of the movie is sort of a um kind of a fight of sorts between the kingdom of talokan the secret underwater kingdom of talokan and wakanda can i um hop the line here real quick with with a statement and i'm and i would guess this is a good jumping off point to talk which is um before this movie um there was a preview for shazam mm-hmm. yeah and who who did we see in the preview for shazam paul was it like helen mirren or somebody yes i think it was helen mirren and i uh, turned and looked at paul and i was like man fucking Anybody will go get into one of these fucking superhero movies these days just to get that paycheck, right? Just that superhero paycheck. And then it dawned on me when this movie started that like how fortunate Marvel was to have cast Angela Bassett in this movie because she really she had a part in the first Black Panther movie, but but not much. 
And she really, like, thank God they had her because she carries the first half of the film. Like, she has a big, heavy part in this, and she carries a lot of the early part of the movie. Yeah, she's a, she's a much bigger presence in this film than, you know, in the first one, it was kind of like, oh, they cast Andal Bassett as, as, as his mom. Um, right. And, and she's get, she gets, like, a scene or two, maybe. But, like, yeah, she's a, she's a huge part of this movie. Yeah, which was which was interesting. This is, um, you know, obviously somewhat by necessity, but like this is a movie that is very much fronted by women, like the whole way through. Like it's like you're, you know, other than Namor, like your top people in this movie are obviously Letitia Wright playing Shuri, um, Lupita Nyong'o playing uh playing Nakia, uh, Denai Gurira playing Okoye, Angela Bassett, and then you have Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams as well and it's like those are like kind of your top people through it um so so that was interesting and kind of cool to 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 see especially especially mostly with characters that we already had established um which is good so you had kind of a pre-existing relationship with with Mm -hmm. almost all of them should we she had to carry most of this most a lot of the stuff early on with um t'challa should we should we talk about how they handled that yeah sure i think so So what do you think, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think all things considered, I think they handled it as well as they kind of could have. Um, My understanding from a nuts and bolts perspective is they had a sequel written for Chadwick Boseman. um, And then, you know, he unfortunately passed away. So they adapted that into the movie we got. How close it is, I'm not sure. Um, but I think, you know, what's interesting is, you know, they didn't even, I thought for sure, for instance, I would have guessed that they would have killed the character off off screen. Um, but they don't shy away from it. The movie opens with his funeral. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really, I think that's a really smart move. Um, and I think it's like, you know, for a character that like means a lot to a lot of people and, you know, a tragic thing that happened. Like, I think it's, I think it's good to not shy away from that. And, and a lot of the movie, you know, ends up being like grounded in the aftermath of what happens there emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think I agree with you that I think they did that well, and it was very smart of them not to try to move on too much from it. They really don't. I mean, especially because, you know, your main character in the movie is Shuri, basically. And she is the one who is having the most problems kind of grappling with um, with T'Challa's loss. Um, and so, like, you you see it more than you would, I think, if someone else were the main character uh, in, in the movie. Like, specifically because it's her, like, that's that's a lot of her journey through through the movie is is dealing with, like, buried feelings that she has about what happened and what it means and 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 specifically the fact that she was unable to save him you know in 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 a way that she thought she should have been Mm -hmm. um i'm really i'm really curious on second viewing because the first viewing i thought not that it cheapened it but when they did um you know angela that what's her character's name angela that's uh queen queen ramonda when they did queen ramonda's funeral it felt very Felt as if they almost recycled <laughs> some of the scene, some of the footage from T'Challa's funeral. It was just exactly the same thing, and and I thought it lost some of its weight by basically 
replaying the exact same funeral scene just an hour later, right? I, I don't know if that was just like in the moment and I was like, ah, you know, I just kind of saw this or, or if like I saw it again now, if it would not not take away from it. I don't know. I didn't I didn't clock it too much while I was watching, but thinking now now that you're saying it, thinking back on it, I I see it as maybe both a good and bad thing. So like I I, I think what they did, it's it's very similar, but it's quicker. Like like they don't show nearly as much and it, yeah. it kind of like the elders the elders don't even show right, up. Right. And her, and, and they don't have the procession with like the dancing like they do in the beginning. Um which does make it seem like it's a little bit of short shrift. But on the other hand, I think the fact that it is so similar, like drives home the point that she has now had these two losses in a very short amount of time, like because it, it very much focuses on Shuri in that, you know, and she's wearing the white morning clothes and like those those big, like kind of tusk earrings and stuff like that both mm -hmm. times. Um, and I thought her wearing the exact same thing for the second funeral kind of drove that home in, in a nice way that it's like, oh, yeah, shit, she's got to do this again. Um, right. And then and then especially like I thought about this because like, you know, it talks about how um, there's a scene shortly after that where uh, Winston Duke uh, uh, Mbaku is talking to her and mentions that like, you know, someone who's had to go through as much loss as you have, like, should you know, I think he says, like, shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, it should not be considered a child anymore. But I was thinking about right. it. It's like, yeah, like, it's like they they go through the fact that she was blipped, like the mm -hmm. same way as, you know, yeah. And so, like, given that it's like her dad died and then, like, you know, Black Panther takes place, like, not that long after her dad died because we see him become come home and become king and then like only a few months after that is the blip right and then they come back and then like not very long after that he has to have passed away and then it's a year after that and then her mom passed away so it's like kind of in in her world you know taking away the five years that she skipped it's like it's got to be within about a year and a half maybe two years at the most that she lost her like her dad and her brother and her mom which is right in, in separate like things and all of them very untimely like it's right. yeah it's like yeah it's got to be really tough like it, it is the kind of thing that would break someone and, and thinking about that a little bit um you know made it fairly believable like sort of the the way her heart kind of hardens for that period of time after that you know after after her mom dies she gonna need some therapy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes, it indeed. is interesting in the in the fallout of um you know infinity war and endgame like now we're kind of at the point where it's just like they don't even really talk about who got snapped or blipped and who didn't um and it's just kind of something you either know and like as another layer or something you're not aware of and don't really think about right uh yeah and it's um it's interesting to know about that because it's like i don't know it's it's like one of those things where like i you you don't necessarily want them to talk about it forever in marvel movies because like there's a point where it's like yeah 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 but like on the other hand like that is one issue with the blip right like like when they like going through it and doing all that it was an awesome like event and like they handled it very well in those movies in infinity war slash endgame but like the issue is it's like it is such a monumental event that it's like how can it not be something that gets talked about or like profoundly affects or doesn't affect every single character, the ones who were blipped and the ones who weren't that right. like they had to spend five years 
without people or that they missed five years and like who knows what happened and like we've seen that get addressed in various things here and there but it it almost seems like it's like yeah no it feels like that should like fuck people up forever a little bit like it is it is <laughs> huge like to your point though I, I didn't remember that she got blipped and it didn't matter it yeah was still heavy yeah yeah exactly i mean it, it's enough like like forgetting her dad for a second it's enough that like you know you see in this movie that she loses her brother and her mom within the space right. of a year right yeah and and that's honestly enough what did people think while we're talking about various characters what did people think about namor um because black panther is very good at taking a villain and putting a very interesting spin on them. And like Killmonger, I think Namor has has a very interesting perspective, but not the same one, a different one, but like, you know, he's somewhat sympathetic, at least until the end. He kind of makes a villainous heel turn at the end that puts him like clearly in one camp over the other. But in the earlier parts of the movie, like it's, you know, he's got righteous fury that's you know pretty justified in some mm-hmm. ways i was thinking that dude i was thinking he was felt a little bit i thought he was a good bad guy um a couple things about the actor in a hot minute but one of the things that um i liked about him was a little bit like thanos right he has this i think you hit the nail on the head paul it's like he definitely has a different worldview from our from our heroes that we're rooting for but it's not at least for the first big chunk of it it's not necessarily the wrong worldview it's just different right yeah i i definitely agree with that i i liked generally the way that he was written and you know and and kind of the the way that his story went even the heel turn at the end which isn't like a heel turn exactly it's kind of just at the end you note that he's like yeah he hasn't given up his vengeance basically in, in the way that she very much does yeah at the end like he has not and it's like honestly that makes sense to me like that that didn't seem so crazy because it's like you know this is like 300 years worth of stuff and it's like he's made peace with wakanda sure but like why would that you know he he knows full well that wakanda is not the rest of the world and he even makes that point to shuri during the movie that like you know he says that like no one like all of those other nations would go after you in a second like you know that right yeah yeah and, and I really like this actor a lot. I um, he's in Narcos Mexico, which is really interesting. It's like some, a lot of the Narcos cast members are showing up in lots of things we're watching lately. Um, so he played um, okay, a guy named Rafa, Rafa, Rafael, uh, who was Pedro Pascal's. Wait, not Pedro Pascal. Yeah, no. Pedro Pascal's <laughs> in Narcos. I don't remember if he's in Narcos Mexico. No, he's not in Narcos, Mexico. Um, who's our guy from Andor? Oh, um, Diego Luna. He's Diego Luna's like basically sidekick and then best friend in that movie in that show. Okay. And I remember, and he's in part of it, and then he and then he's not. Um, I don't want to ruin Narcos, Mexico. <laughs> Spoiler alert for that. But um, I remember watching him. He was a young kid and being like, "Damn, that kid is really good." Like, I wonder if he'll ever like transition over to like English language speaking movies or shows. And boom, there he was. Remember looking him up because he has a little bit of an awkwardly shaped body and thinking like this is interesting for like a bad guy one this is not this is the first bad guy that's not ripped like even thanos was like 
big, muscular, scary. And he's kind of got a bit of a, he's fit, but he has a little bit of a dad bod going on. And I was like, oh shit, I think that's the guy from, from Narcos Mexico. And, and sure enough, it was. But I, I thought his acting was really, really good. And like, he was a very powerful and scary bad guy who was clearly stronger than the good guys. Yeah, I I liked him a lot. Um, I I thought he has an expressiveness, at least I thought so, that like served him well in a lot of the scenes where, say, he's talking to Shuri, like in Takola, um, Talokan, sorry, um, and uh, and like he he has sort of a warmth to him in those scenes, um, mm-hmm. and then at the same time he has that scene, um, when Ramonda kind of calls him away and distracts him so that Nakia can come in and rescue Shuri and, uh, and Riri. Um, and she like, I forget what she says, but he ends up like threatening her. And he has this like cold, like dead eyed look when he's doing that, that looks that, that really gets across kind of what a badass like he can be if he wishes to at the same time. Um, you know, and you, and you kind of see that come back a little more like when they attack, when they do the attack on Wakanda later on. So, yeah, I, I, I liked them a lot. Not so great. Like there's one or two little things that they like try to have them do like a funny like thing. And like, I felt like those lines got kind of swallowed a little bit. Like you didn't have the greatest delivery of that, but it's like, you know, honestly, just don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. let, like I, I, I thought in general in this movie, um, this movie is not one of the funnier Marvel movies, I mean, as, as as you would imagine. I mean, given given what we said, a lot of this movie focuses on like kind of trying to move on past like T'Challa's death and how it hangs over the whole film and all that. It's like, you know, it's not a particularly funny movie, but where there are attempts at humor, I feel like they're generally kept to the characters that are kind of better at doing them like like like. Mm-hmm. Like they tried to make Riri the comic relief, and I didn't find her particularly funny. That, I agree. I didn't. I didn't like that. But like you know, it's like like um, uh, Okoye can do funny lines usually. Like she does, she generally does a pretty good job of them. And um, and Everett Ross, you know, Mar- Martin Freeman usually does a pretty good job of them too. And I feel like they have their share of little lines here and there that are pretty good. Um, and Shuri normally would be if you know if her character was in a different headspace. In the first movie, she was very she was pretty funny. Obviously, not in this one. Um, before we move on totally from Namor, I do want to say I I liked I liked the actor too. I thought he did a really good job. I liked all the scenes with Namor in the present. I did not like his flashback explanation backstory. Um, it was just like I one I didn't feel like I needed it. Like I didn't I don't need the explanation. Like I don't need it all spelled out for me. Like suffice it to say, like they're there. Like whatever. Um, <laughs> I think that's fair. And the explanation doesn't make any sense anyway. So it's like, fine. Basically, like... Like the explanation of why he hates the surface world or just how he is what he is? How he is what he is, how his people are what they are, like how they came to live under the water, like all that stuff. It's like, all right, I okay, fine. Well, I guess it's as easy as like, we found the shit at the bottom of the ocean. It could have been quicker, I guess. <laughs> but the, I mean, they needed part of it, right? Because they, they needed the part that noted that like, they ate some, like this plant because like they need to have that be the seed of how she's able to recreate the arch the heart shaped herb later that she knows that it's like well yeah this is like the fibers of this plant they ate which was also vibranium rich and that's how she's able to yeah kind of, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I guess like it also could have just been like a plant that was growing there, and they could have, just, you know, I mean, there's ways around it, but yeah, it's fair. In a movie, to me, that it, at times felt overstuffed, that felt like a piece of the overstuffing um, that I felt like I didn't, I didn't really need. Um, and not to tip my hand too much, but speaking of overstuff, let's talk about Riri a little bit. Let's. I was, I was, I was going to say, I was like, well, if we're going to talk about overstuffed. <laughs> Let's get to the part of the movie that seems like it was only put in to set up a future show. I agree with you. And I think, unfortunately, her introduction in this movie undercuts the future show because I think what was so cool about one of the things that was so cool about the first Iron Man movie was seeing him build his suit and like work all that shit out. And like that was like yeah. a great part of that first movie. And she, and she's basically not going to do that because she's built her suit. Yes, they took it away from her at the end. But you know guess, she can build it. <laughs> you know, she, right. We know she can build it. So she just has to rebuild it. And I felt like that would have been a, like a really good part of the TV show that she's going to be in. Um, and because I, I felt like they introduced like they gave her like a whole character arc in this movie in a way that I don't know. It just felt like too much. It was too much of an introduction, I guess. It was it was too much of an introduction, and I feel like I don't know, like like I I guess again, there's ways around it. You kind of kind of what you said for the thing that it's like, yeah, she's like necessary for the plot in terms of like someone has to have built that machine, and it's like too advanced otherwise. But it's like, yeah, there's still ways you could have gotten around that without it being her. And well, and it, it could have been her. Just don't put her in the suit in the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Even even that like it might have been better, actually, now that I think about it, if they didn't put her in the suit, because like the other thing that I wonder about, and, you know, I guess we'll find this out next year when they do the Ironheart show and whatever. But it's like with any superhero, right? Like there's always a thing where it's like, what is their motivation? Right. Like, I mean, it's not really fair, maybe to compare to Iron Man, but it's like since you mentioned Iron Man, it's like there's a clear motivation there. It goes through it like you see 100 percent what his motivation is like with her. It's like. As far as I can tell in this, like, I know in the end they mentioned, you know, her dad passed away at some point. So, like, okay, maybe that means something. But, like, or maybe it was her stepdad. I, I couldn't really tell if they were talking about the same person or not. But, um, like, what's her motivation for, like, building this stuff? Is she just a builder and she just likes to build? Because it's like, I don't know. In some ways, that's kind of boring. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I, I want a reason maybe why she, like, felt like she create had to create this stuff. I guess there's a reason she creates <clears throat> the the cool suit at the end of the movie but she already has a suit right she has like her makeshift right. one kind of and it's like like i don't know it's like why were you doing that and it's like i know we're not going to find that out in this movie but yet another reason not to like show all that stuff like it might have been better like now that i think about it and you say that if it's like if i don't know if it's like she didn't do much in this movie except be rescued and like maybe help out in like a more basic way. And then maybe this serves as some somewhat of a motivation, Yeah. which, which, which maybe it still will, but I feel like, I don't know. Like, like you said, if we saw that and then saw that motivate her to go out and like build a bunch of cool shit in the show, that would be better. Right. Like she got exposed to smart people using their intelligence to help others. And she could be like, Oh, that's what I should do with my incredible intellect. Right. Use it to help. Like there's, there's, like you said, there's ways that this movie could have helped her find her motivation. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think, Willie? 
Uh, I'm trying to think if she was my least favorite part of the movie. Like, uh, but that's me nitpicking. I really like this movie. I I felt um, yes to all the things you just said, and, and honestly, um, it's interesting because there's a this is a movie where it the, the whole movie is heavy. There's a lot of heavy things, and that's okay. Uh, and I think they tried to use her to lighten the film up a little bit, and I didn't think she did a tremendously great job with that. And um, she was kind of a distraction from the good stuff a lot. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, you could imagine this movie 100% without her in it. And, and, and it'd still be a good movie. And her, like, end scene, like, like not that it was this way, but, like, I don't know, like, after everything that happened, they, like, have to kind of pause what's going on for, like, a minute and a half to kind of see her off at the end. Mm. And it felt like it reminded me of, like, that Simpsons episode where it's, like, the the spinoff episode where it's, like, they go to, like, New Orleans with Chief Wiggum or whatever. And it's, like, can't wait to see what you get up to, like, down here. Like, like, like that. it felt like that a little bit. Like, it was, like, it's, like, who, like, they, they never say this, obviously, but it felt like the kind of thing where I, I expected Troy to be, like, it's, like, like, I see great things happening for you in the U.S. Like, can't wait to see what happens. Like, like it just felt that way. Like, it's like, really? Do we have to, like, go back to her and, like, wrap her story up here right now? Also, just, like, straight up, one of my least favorite parts about this is, like, she's a kid that, where is she going to school? Harvard or something? Or, M- MIT, uh, maybe. MIT, yeah. Could be either one okay. at Cambridge. <laughs> could Could be either one. Great school. She's there, obviously, like, wicked smart student. And then the fucking queen of fucking Wakanda shows up and says, like, I'm going to show you this technology that, like, everybody on the planet and universe wants to get a hold of. And and the first thing she and the only thing she keeps saying is, like, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here. Get me the fuck out of here, basically. I want to go home. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Like, you have opportunity to get your hands on technology that's far better than the fucking junkie you know Chevy Camaro you're working on like what are you talking about yeah yeah and and you know to be clear and I think you guys probably feel this way too it's like none of this is like anything against the actress or anything like that and it's like it's just that it's like it it just this movie had enough going on and did not need like this level like you said Paul did not need this level of introduction to her character Yeah, yeah for what it's worth what was it um was it Civil War that um we see Black Panther for the first time and it's brief and you're like, oh shit, a badass. That's cool. Yeah, we don't get we don't get much about him. No, but 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 you get enough. Like like, like it, it's enough to tease a movie in a good way. But it doesn't by any means stop that movie or anything like that. Um, you know, he's also like I I I just think like his role in that movie is better written. Period. As well, sure. Like it's better integrated. Where like like you said, I think maybe some of the issue also here was trying to make her a bit of the comic relief and lighten things up, which I definitely agree with you was happening some of the time. And I feel like it's like, yeah, that probably wasn't a great way to introduce her either, honestly. Mm-hmm. So let's we talked a lot about characters. Let's let's talk a little bit about the action in this movie because I think the the movie suffers from third act Marvelitis, right? Of like, there's going to be a giant set piece. But I think what's interesting is the way it felt like, at least to me in a way, the action scenes kind of ramp up during the movie. Like I, I really like the car chase once they get in the cars, like do all that stuff is really, really cool. I thought um, I thought the the attack, the initial attack on Wakanda is very cool. 
I, I, I like that a lot, actually. I thought that was really well done. It was actually, really yeah. different, like not in a, in a way that like you don't normally see, which I which I thought was really awesome. Um, it was nice. It was like nice. It was it was scary. Yeah, it was different. See these people in Wakanda that are just used to just beating the shit out of everybody that comes in. It's like, oh fuck, what are you doing here in our fucking backyard? How'd you even get in here and summarily getting the shit kicked out of them? You know, right, right, and and and, and right, and the, and the Wakandans like, aside from having advanced tech, are also like they're no slouches when it comes to, you know, fighting and combat and all that stuff. So to see them kind of get trounced. It was petrifying the way they would sing and then people just like walk into the fucking water. Yeah, it reminded me of The Happening, which is probably not the best. <laughs> like, probably not what they wanted. <laughs> right. No, no, no. But I don't mean that in a bit. Like it wasn't like, you know, whereas The Happening like kind of made you giggle at times. But like they definitely have similar scenes in the beginning of that movie, uh, you know, of, of people just kind of like just like losing sense of who they are and just like walking, you know, to their deaths, basically. Yeah, but it was it was freaky in this movie. Definitely. Mm. Like was, the way they did yeah. that, especially in the opening, I, I would say m- the most, I think, in the in the first thing uh, with the ship out in the ocean, yeah. you know, at, at night. Um, Yeah, that was well done as well. Like that that had like kind of a that that whole scene had a horror element to it, definitely, which I think worked really well. Like the whole part towards the end of that where like Lake Bell, like thinks she's escaped in the helicopter and then like it's getting like thrown around and then you just see like this figure like floating in the air who did it and you don't know at that point yet that it's that it's namor um because you haven't seen the fact that he's got like the the wings which of icarus boots yeah is that a is is that a thing that namor has yeah in the comics i I did not remember that i definitely did not remember that also gotta have incredibly strong leg muscles because if your wings were on your ankles. I just flipped the fuck over and be hanging upside down the whole time. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's got a powerful core. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I, I did think though that I thought the third, I liked most of the action. I thought the third act scene felt really flat for me. Huh. I agree. Not, not, um, Shuri and Namor's fight was fine. Yeah. The beach it, fight it, was fine. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the, I, I think it went over long. Like, like maybe the beginning of it was okay. Um, and then it just dragged on. And then it, when it was cutting back, like there was a point all of a sudden where it's like they're all cornered by the Talokans. And it was kind of like, well, how did that happen? Like, I don't I don't understand how all of a sudden they're all like, like, and, and, and then it felt like it was that like three different times when they cut away. They were like all in this little group and like they were like coming towards them with the spears. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, do we have to keep cutting back to this? It, like, no, it was nothing weird, new like- has happened. And I realized, like, they have, like, a week. It's not like they were going to build a new ship. But it was weird. Like, the only ship they could find was, like, really tall, really narrow, no railings. And just, like, and they're like, yeah, we're going to fight these ocean-based people on top of this thing. Yeah. Like, that doesn't feel like a great, the greatest idea. Yeah. And then another thing that occurred to me during it is that it's, like, like you didn't make multiple sonic disruptors on the bottom of the ship. Like, just one, knowing that they have vibranium weapons also. Right. Like it, it shouldn't be a huge surprise that they were able to like eventually like destroy that. But yeah, I mean, those are, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's your typical third act kind of issue that Marvel has with their big fights. Yeah. Where it's like things get big to the point where it's kind of not, not very, not, not as comprehensible as some of the smaller scale stuff is. 
but otherwise it was good action. I liked, um, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of obvious maybe. And like, you know, you've seen it in like Aquaman and shit like that, but like, you know, the use of like the whales and orcas and stuff like that. I thought it paralleled like in the first black Panther, how they like use how like the border tribe uses like the rhinos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I thought that was kind of like, like somehow, cool. I mean, you mentioned Aquaman, but like somehow they found a way to do it in this movie that didn't seem corny. Yeah, because it's not like one person riding it like it's a horse, right? right? You know, right. it's like, yeah. Yeah. Which it, just looks silly. Even I, I think there is even a scene where you kind of see someone doing that, but it just didn't look as silly. No, it, it didn't. Yeah. yeah. It's a couple parts here, and I don't know where the appropriate time to talk about this, but... Um, right now. Okay, <laughs> there was... Um, there's a shift. Um, I always thought of Okoye as kind of the uh, first supporting actor in the in the Black Panther movies, and and when the when Black Panther has to show up in other movies, I think she's a phenomenal character. I think she is the baddest of bad fucking asses out there. Uh, I think if you want to show like a powerful woman on screen, like that's the fucking first one I think of every single time. And I think she's kind of funny when she needs to be, yeah. Oh, yeah. She can, because she's so goddamn intense when she, del- when she delivers a zinger, she does. And I, I think she was kind of um, done dirty in this movie. They gave it to N- Nakia and they, they tried to like force Nik- I felt like Nakia, they tried to make her more that role in this movie. And they kind of just, did Akoya dirty in this movie? And um, I didn't, I was a thought I would hope that's where the, the I'm, I'm tying it back to your statement, Paul, which is uh, to me, that's where the third scene fell flat was not having the baddest of badasses on the boat. Like there was no push and pull. She's, she was there, but she was not, you know, total fucking badass like I had expected to see. I know what you mean a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm glad they had they gave Nakia stuff to do, but like sure. I, but it didn't have to be at the expense of Okoye necessarily. And and I do agree that like, um, there is something about like it's not the same having her flying around in like you know the Midnight Angel suit as opposed to like her like in the Dora Milaje thing with the spear. Like that's such a like that that's become to me like such a kind of iconic part of the whole black panther thing and even beyond that just marvel you know because because we saw her a lot in you know the like infinity war and stuff like that as well um so yeah i i agree i think i think that was something that was a little yeah um you mentioned nakia so let me just mention going into this movie um i kind of suspected like that Shuri was going to end up being Black Panther. And I think the way they did it was fine. I will say that going into the movie, Nakia was the person I wanted to actually become Black Panther. I thought she made more sense as Black Panther, quite honestly. I thought she had more of the temperament for it. Um, huh. And like, and that way Shuri continues to just be the tech whiz a little bit. And and yeah, I mean, again, after watching the movie, it's like, okay, I see like, I see what they did in terms of like the arc and everything but there are like i i have some quibbles with what they did narratively I, you know it's hard for me to say exactly what i would have done differently because i'm not writing a treatment to a movie 
and and I will preface all of this by saying that like you, Willie, I quite enjoyed this movie. But um like I I Nakia is actually someone I think they did a little bit dirty, not in terms of the movie, but in terms of the idea. I guess they retro they they retrofitted this at the end. Um but like through much of the movie I was like it doesn't make sense that she would have run away or been so scared of um of like him dying. Like that that doesn't seem like he dies in the first movie, so she thinks that she doesn't run away. She like immediately is like, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm going to save my country and like goes with Shuri and Ramonda. Like they go to, to Mbaku and, you know, turns out he's alive. Um, I guess in the end, they make it clear that it's like, no, nah, she really just went away because she had a secret son who she was raising. And like, mm-hmm. that was like what they had planned to do mm-hmm. kind of, but like, I don't know. It, it did seem for much of the movie. Like it was a little bit like, like, why would she have run away? That doesn't make sense. I'm like, why would, you know, so again, I, I guess it, it all gets explained at the end. But for much of the movie, I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know, like this doesn't fit with like the personality that yeah. I that she had in the first movie. I thought I thought Shuri becoming the next Black Panther was the obvious choice, um, which made me wish they went in a different direction. I do think the previews gave too much away because when they showed her outfit, and she had the dots and then they showed her in her funeral garb and she had the dots and it's like, Oh, okay. Right. Well in the first five seconds, I, you know, you, you know who it's going to be. Right. Um, and I, I kind of agree with you that. Yeah. I, I do wish they had, they had gone a different way and, and the key would have been interesting. Um, yeah, um, I mean, you would have you would have had to write stuff very differently, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of like, course. Like you couldn't just plug and play because like there's a lot going on with motivations and you know how how the story goes. Yeah. The other thing, um, I I just want to get this out of the way because because this is this is the other kind of quibble I had, so to speak, is um, and I think I. Well, let me let, let me just get at what it is at the end. Um, of the movie when when she is fighting with Namor, when Shuri and Namor are fighting and she gets the upper hand and she's ready to kill him. She has spent so long at that point and so much has happened where she is kind of, as she says, consumed with vengeance, which is a nice uh, consumed with vengeance. Using that wording, I think, is a nice um, tip of the hand back to Civil War. T'Challa uses the same wording at the end of Civil War. Um it doesn't it seemed like there needed to be more than just a split second of Ramonda and the ancestral playing saying show show them who you are for her mm-hmm. to like flip back like i felt like one of two things needed to happen well really i think the thing that needed to happen there for me for that to make sense more narratively was to actually have like a stop and like a longer conversation in the ancestral plane there like all in her head or whatever it is something similar to like what i thought of was like in thor ragnarok when when hella has thor on the balcony and and says like what were you got of again and then it like goes in his head to him talking to odin and they have like a minute and a half long conversation where he where he like explains to him about how like you're stronger than me and like your power was never in your hammer like trust yourself and like that grounds him back and i felt like there needed to be a longer conversation there, in my opinion, to like really drive home to like walk her back from the ledge. Like it didn't feel like just having this thing of her saying like one line was enough to like completely flip that around in her head to mm-hmm. me. 
and ideally the person to do that should not have been queen ramanda it should have been t'challa but obviously you can't do that but like narratively that is who should have been giving that speech it should have been chadwick boseman in her head obviously you can't do that but i agree with everything you said it would have been interesting I don't. I, I don't know any behind the scenes details. It would have been interesting if it had been T'Chaka, because um, sure, um, theoretically at least that's somebody they could have brought in that would have been a surprise. What did you think of the Killmonger cameo? Let's call it. I kind of liked it. Um, it was definitely unexpected. Was not expecting to see him. Yeah. Um, and it made I feel like they made it make sense that it's like, yeah, I'm here, like, because you you are doing this for the same reason I did. Like, you want vengeance. And like, I know what that's like. Like, I, I wanted vengeance. Um, But he also, like, says some very true things through that, which I kind of appreciated, you know, where, where you know. You know, where where like like even to the point where he says, like, you know, where she says, like, all of their debts are on you. And he's like, don't take it away from your mom. Like your mom sacrificed herself. Like, don't, you know, don't, don't take that sacrifice away from her. And mm-hmm. then, and then also kind of notes that he's like, you know, you might think I'm, I mean, he is bad, but like, he does note that it's like, like you, like you would still, like your country would still be hiding if it wasn't for me, like because of what happened with me, like that brought about necessary change in, in Wakanda. Which I which I think is a good point. Um, that that, that he makes there. Um, yeah, I th- yeah. I thought he was phenomenal. I was really surprised to see him. First of all, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't. I and mean, we saw this had been out for a week or two. I didn't hear a peep about it. Nope. I didn't hear a spoiler about it. And I was like, and and I just watched Black Panther the week before with the kids to prep for the movie. And I was like, oh shit! I didn't see that one coming. You know, he's a strong actor. Yeah. And I, I liked all of his angles. Like I thought for sure it was going to be her grand, her, her father. I really thought it was going to be her father or Angela Bass. And I was like, Oh shit. And all the, I thought of things he said were on fucking point. He was the right person to be there. Yeah. And it, it was smart. It was smart. It was a smart yeah. choice. And, and I mean, it makes sense like in the way narratively it makes sense in that it like hardens her heart, like him speaking, like kind of revving her up kind of hardens yeah. her heart and kind of sets in motion what happens, you know, next mm-hmm. basically. And then, you know, kind of her sort of her bloodlust kind of from that point until the very end. I get the feeling that that was, you know, not crammed in at some point while they were writing the movie, you know, Chadwick Boseman passed away and they were like, all right, we have to figure out what the fuck to do with this new character. <laughs> old but the new black panther and how to like make it its own thing and i thought that was brilliant writing i thought it was really really good and handled really well yeah i thought they you know like you said i mean obviously they had time to do this like it wasn't like it wasn't like they had to do this on the fly in like a month or something but like still like considering that they had kind of a story presumably with namor and all this stuff kind of written and then had to kind of retool it around everything that happened. I think they did a very good job of making a very understandable story overall, um, in both in terms of just the plot and in terms of like the character arcs of, of the major characters. So any last things, last thoughts, things you want to talk about as we start to wrap this one up? 
Well, do we want to talk about some like kind of randomish things that you know that don't necessarily pertain to the plot like directly, but like kind of pop up here? So like one of them is that like, um, you know, talking again about more surprising cameos, like Julie Louis Dreyfus is in this and is right. the director of the CIA and is Martin Freeman's ex-wife. <laughs> right. As somebody who is not caught up on a lot of the MCU TV shows, oh, right. I didn't know how much of that was new information versus like stuff that we, that people already knew that was out there. Yeah. I there think it's all new. She, she's not in She-Hulk. Is she? That's the one thing I haven't seen. Uh, not that I remember. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is all new information. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So after the movie ended, I went to look up like what is the timeline for when this takes place? Like, because it's because like, you know, we've seen her character three times. Three times? Am I am I doing too many? We see her in um, Black. We see her at the end of Black Widow. We see her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and. Is there a third time or is it just those two? Maybe it's just those two. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. But anyway, um, so I looked it up and this definitely takes place like after all of that. So because I was wondering, it's like, is she the director of the CIA at all these times? How would she defeat? Like, how would we not know she's the director of the CIA? And I guess the answer is like, no, she's not in those earlier scenes. Like she's now mm -hmm. become the director of the CIA somehow. Oh, is that the implication? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, because it's like, because I mean, obviously, like Black Widow takes place like not that long, probably after after the the like the end scene of Black Widow, I should say. Obviously, mm -hmm. all Black Widow takes place well before the blip, but like the end scene of Black Widow, I think, doesn't take place that long after, like like the blip happens, and I think Hawkeye is meant to. I remember asking this question um about hawkeye when we did a mini flicks on it which is that it's like does this take place like the same like it takes place at christmas time is it the same christmas time that's at the end of spider-man no way home and the best i can tell is no it is one year later i think maybe <laughs> but it might but it but it might not be it might be the same one now now they think about it because there's the whole statue of liberty thing anyway um what I read is that this movie basically takes place towards the end of 2024 into 2025, hmm. which is, okay. you know, a year plus to almost two years after the blip, right? The blip, the everybody comes back on in 2023 in, in Marvel land. This has become so hard, like in, in the way that like pre, I had no idea. pre, pre infinity war, like it was just like, well, what year is the movie in? That's the year it takes place. Like, it's like so easy. Right. Um, and now it's like, nope, no idea. No idea when any of these things happen. Um, I, I, they apparently, I was able to find something where they had like talked to one of the main producers, not Kevin Feige, but somebody else. Um, and he had said like, yeah, like this movie takes place. They said like after the events of the Eternals, so there's that fucking Tiamut arm coming out of the, coming out of the earth somewhere. Um, <laughs> but before, or, or not, not, now. yeah. But possibly, I, th I think it's at possibly like around the same time as the events of Spider-Man No Way Home. So it's like that, that like this is taking place like around that like winter time or like fall or whatever, which is a year, a full year after 
uh, or a, yeah, a year plus basically after everybody comes back. Yeah. So let me end. I, I, I wonder like in our world, the two Avengers movies are scheduled for 2025. And I wonder if like all this shit is just taking place in 2024 and 2025. And then we'll be like caught back up to real time by then, or if we're still going to be like a couple years in the future or whatever it is. It'd be nice yeah, if we catch back up to real time because I made it a lot easier to figure out when stuff was going on. I agree. Pretty soon we're going to be dealing with multiple, you know, dimensions and worlds and, you know, timelines and all that shit. Yeah, sure, sure. That was one of the um, I did not get the uh, which which preview did you say you got again before this? Shazam. Like Shazam, like there's a new Shazam movie or are you talking yep. about Black Adam? Nope. Shazam. No, Shazam. Shazam, now there's a lot of them. I think that's the subtitle for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did, Wait, I did not get that uh, that preview. What was, the, uh, what was the other preview? There was like two. Oh, the, the other Ant-Man. There was like yeah. 15 previews before this movie. It went on forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, some of the previews for this movie, like they had a certain synergy to them, <laughs> like, which is to say I got the Creed 3 preview. Uh, so Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors, who's then an Ant-Man in the Wasp Quantumania, which I also got the preview for. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see um, all that. Um, and then and then I got the Avatar preview. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Avatar after we wrap this up. All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> all right. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing to talk about here. The 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 post credit scene. Yes, that, that, scene, that was the other thing it. that I wanted to the okay. cinematography was stunning like i don't know what kind of camera they used for it or that was pretty it, it, it looked like we were watching like moonlight all of a sudden or something <laughs> you know i've been to kenya before and the sunsets really there are unbelievably beautiful and i don't know if they filmed it in africa or where they shot that well, that, but... that end scene takes place in haiti oh okay. yeah because they're, they're back she, they... he goes, she goes back to nakia's place in, in haiti i wonder if they filmed it i wonder if they filmed it in haiti but it was haiti. yeah beautiful cinematography like that tear that 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 she had was just like so clear on her face it was like wow and that little boy was cute as shit yeah and when he said you know but my you know my real name is t'challa like i I don't know what I don't know happened in your theater with you and the other person (laughs) yeah my my packed (laughs) theater Did you clap, Nish? Because our theater clapped. No. <laughs> our, the three of us did not clap. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty emotional moment, to be sure. I agree. Yeah. Um I can I can definitely see that. C- cynically, I'm like between this and the latest Thor movie, I'm like, mm, are they cousin Olivering the MCU now? Um <laughs> with a bunch of kids, but I can I can put cynicism to the side for the moment. Yeah. The Avenger Babies TV show. <laughs> uh, it was a nice way to end Cap um, because they definitely started the movie with how important this character was, not just to the MCU, but, you know, people, you know, people of color for sure. Yeah. And the theater we saw it in was pretty urban area. And, um, you know, you kind of forget about it because as the movie's going, you just get into the movie or whatever. But as as the movie book ended it's just like a reminder of um how important this character was to broader like you know broader populations and not just you know people that like marvel movies yeah yeah no absolutely i did really like the all chadwick boseman 
MCU like Marvel title card. Yeah, they the brought that back. Yeah. yeah, that was really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that too. It was handled well, especially that I think the payoff was uh, was worth it in the end to um, explain why um, Nikira was uh, Nikia rather was um, not at the funeral and whatever. I was like, oh, totally worth that payoff. Didn't see that one coming. Either. Sure. Yeah. No, that's true. It it did make a lot more sense, obviously. Um, so we've been talking for quite a while about this. Why don't we throw some grades on here? Um, a movie I think is probably you know well liked all around. Nish, why don't we start with you? Yeah. Um, this like I don't know why, but going into this, I I went into this fairly cautiously, and I I think probably two reasons. Like one, um. I, I really did wonder, like, I, I guess by the time I was watching this, I knew that it had been very well received. So maybe it was a little bit different, but still, like, you know, having this told without Chadwick Boseman, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to do, I think, since he's obviously such a huge, huge part of of the first movie. Um, So I, I think that was an issue. And then, you know, phase four has been very very inconsistent and and generally not to i would say not quite to the quality and i say this is someone who really loves marvel stuff and has watched almost all of it um but the movies particularly have been pretty you know not not great and and i would say this one is definitely a high point overall um you know there are things i quibble with which we talked about but overall i thought this is a very well-told story i really liked the villain overall and and kind of how how that all worked out um and as someone who was not necessarily looking forward to the idea of shuri being the main character i thought it was done really well and she did a really good job um i didn't really talk about how i felt about her performance but i thought it was very good um so i'm gonna give this a four okay uh willie what about you i'm in lockstep it's a four, all the things in this shed. Uh, and I've kind of, kind of, we've talked about this a lot, but I'll just say, um, was concerned how they were going to handle Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I had heard that they handled it as well as they could have before I saw the movie. And um, when you read something like that, you think, okay, it's going to be just okay. And I actually thought it was not just okay. I thought it was very, very good. And I, Pulled on all the right um, emotional heartstrings for me. Uh, bad guy to me, you know. The the the, the villain is really important in sequels. Way 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 more important than in the first one. First one, you can just like really chew up eighty percent of the movie with backstory, Origin story stuff, yeah, you know, and all that, and get and then get to whatever. And I thought we had a really adequate, if not excellent, villain. Um, we didn't even talk about like kind of some of his blue tribe you know, folks and how terrifying they were and strong and and crazy awesome they were as well. So um yeah, all those reasons. Um it's a four. Not a perfect movie, but but it was better than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. I think as per usual, I'm gonna come in a little bit under you guys and give this movie a three and a half. I think the the level that it was overstuffed um weighs on me a little bit more, I think. Um also, you know, 
I'm suffering from a little bit of MCU burnout, which is why I haven't seen a lot of the recent TV sure. shows. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, and like you said, Dish, the, the, this, this is probably the, I'm not sure if it's the best movie of this phase um, with, with Spider-Man, but it's, if it's not the best, it's the second best. Right. To, to, to me, there are like three high points, which are, you know, Spider-Man definitely. And then like this and Shang-Chi to me are like the two in, in very different ways. <laughs> quite oh, honestly, Shang-Chi was so long ago. It's hard to even, yeah, it feels like, yeah. it feels like a million years ago. Anyway, I know, I know. Right. But like th those three to me are kind of the three that it's like, yeah, these were good movies. And then like everything else, it's kind of like some of them were like decent. Like we got like Black Widow, for instance, which I think you liked more than I did, Willie. But like, so. I thought it was great. Yeah, but I, but I like it. And then, you know, and then you got a bunch of middle, you got these middling ones like Thor, Love and Thunder. And then you got, you know, Eternals, which is definitely like way down there. Um, one thing I would like to see explored in, in another movie is... Shuri spends a lot of this movie essentially as an atheist. Um, and disappointingly, the movie falls into a little bit of like atheist as a result of anger trope. Um, yeah. But what I'm curious about is her experience now becoming the Black Panther, going to the ancestral plane. Like, does she think that was a real thing that happened? Are we supposed to think that those are real things that are happening? Um, are those things that happen? in their head i think it's right, i think like there's under, some interesting under the influence of the heart-shaped herb exactly right yeah. exactly I, there's something interesting to explore there and, and i think mm. it would be really interesting pragmatism versus spirituality type of angle yeah i think i think it'd be really interesting to see an mc an mcu something deal with some of that because yeah, they're not gonna fucking touch that with a 20-foot fucking pole no but 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 I agree with you, Paul. I th I, th I think that's like it, it's it's an interesting thing to like tackle. Like I, I I think in the first Black Panther, I always assumed it was like I, I never really thought much of it and was just like, yeah, well, this is like really happening. Like you go like the ancestral plane yeah, is this real thing. And then in this, I thought about it more and like now I'm more on the end of like, um, you know, at, at the end of at, at at the end of Harry Potter, right? Like very famously, there's a scene where Harry talks to Dumbledore like in King's Cross station, like in his head kind of. And he asks at the end, like, is like, is this really happening or is it in my head? And then the the line that Dumbledore gives at the end is he says, well, of course it's in your head, Harry, but why should that mean it isn't real? And it's like, that's kind of like that. That's where I landed, I think, with it a little bit, that it is both in a way. But mm -hmm. like, yeah, like it is, it, it's kind of, and again, this is just opinion. There's no right answer, I don't think, in this case. Um, but like, Shuri kind of says this, like not about the ancestral plane, but when they have that like heart to heart at the campfire in the beginning, um, and Ramonda tells her about how she like sensed him, like T'Challa, like said, and like, and she says like that, like that wasn't real. Like that was just a construct in your mind, like to like let you, and it's like, I think there's still truth to that, even with this. It's like, the, the, yes, the, I think these people are constructs in your mind, but the heart-shaped herb is allowing you to, like, have, like, what amounts to, like, a true conversation with them in some way, like, more mm -hmm. than you would just be able to do in your head. Right. Yeah, I think I, like I, said, I think it'd be interesting. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that they'd explore more of that. Because um, they did touch on it a little bit here. Maybe that's as far as they'll take it, but I'd be curious to see. Uh, but all in all, good flick. Um, yeah. good flick. 
All right. Um, before we get out of here, do you want to talk about Avatar quickly? Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. So I had actually avoided the trailer for uh, Avatar The Way of Water. Um, and so yeah. I saw it for the first time today because, like, for whatever reason, I just didn't watch it. Like, it was just like, I don't know if I want to watch this. So I saw it on the big screen, saw the trailer, like, for the first time today. And I guess I was just curious. Like, I know, like, none of us are huge avatar heads if such a thing exists I'm, i think like when you know when we saw it to various extents it was like yeah sure avatar um but i i guess i'm my question is like having seen the trailer do you guys do either of you feel like yeah like i want to go see this it comes out very soon in terms of when we are recording this absolutely not i mean the 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 the, the trailer did really nothing for me um you're right i didn't i didn't love the first avatar movie um but you know it it, it piqued my interest at the time and yeah. seeing this movie i was like there's 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 nothing here for me this this doesn't hold any appeal for me uh, it didn't make me want to go run and see it I, I i have a feeling i'll enjoy it about as much as i did the first one which is thinking it was pretty good and visually just like stunning to look at. Yeah. The one thing that like I'm interested to see, but not interested enough to like go to a theater and see it. Um, maybe more to just hear about it afterwards from other people is like, like, you know, with avatar, it's like, you know, one of the big things with avatar, like that I remember carping on and other people to do is that it's like, well, the story is just fucking dances with wolves or fern gully, depending on which one you want to pick. And it's like, I wonder, it's like, okay, well, we did that story. Like, is this going to be a story we know? Or is this going to actually be something somewhat original in terms of like whatever this story ends up being? What is this story? Right. It's going to be, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clearly going to be Terminator 2. <laughs> right? That would be great. That would be great if it was. <laughs> in the background, just Arnold appears, falls into the ocean, and you never see him again. <laughs> Damn it. Fucking... It doesn't work in the ocean. <laughs> With his with his fallen with his thumb up in the air, <laughs> yeah. um, or just asking oh, one of the Navi for their clothes, their boots, and their motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> little Mermaid, dude, to be the Little Mermaid. Uh, yeah, that that would be awesome. All right, yeah. No, I was just curious. <laughs> um, all right. Do we have time for the mailbag before we get out of here? Get, you got a quick one for us, Nish. Do I have a quick one? Um, let me look through and see if uh, I have. You say that I, I, I ask you that as if we have the ability to answer any question quickly, which right. I don't there, think there, we're actually capable yeah. of. There, there, there is that as well. Um, well, here's one that could be quick. Maybe we'll see. All right, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, so James asked us, um, you know, following your discussion of Spirited. Uh, which is, of course, somewhat of an adaptation of um, the A Christmas Carol story. Um, do you guys have a favorite or like seminal um, Christmas Carol version that you guys like the most? I do, actually. So for for a long time, um, we used to have to travel relatively far at Christmas time. Um, it was a couple of like about an hour and a half in, you know, in each direction. And when we would do that, um, we would listen to an audiobook of 
uh, Christmas Carol, read by Patrick Stewart. Ooh. And we listen to that every year um, uh, on the on you know in the car for for our Christmas traveling. And um, I really like that version of of a Christmas Carol. That's a good one. I feel like there was one that actually had Scrooge McDuck in it. Yeah, yeah. I feel there like is. there was like an old old Disney one that I used to watch when I was a kid. Yeah, that. I mean, I love the movie Scrooged, I, but I feel that like movie does not hold ones. up. Let me just tell you, <laughs> watch that last year, or, or, or uh, I think it was earlier this year. Um, I was like, oh, this is a holiday movie I love, and like we put it on, I was just like, oh my god, this movie is not Prob- that good. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you meant like not good or like problematic. Well, the dickish is like. He's meant to be a dick, but it lands a lot differently now. Sure, that's for that's for sure. Yeah, that's fair. That that Disney one, Willie. I think that might have been the first version of like the Christmas Carol I ever saw. Was the Disney one? So I definitely remember that one really well. Um, yeah, for me, um, the one that I think I've seen the most, or or, or that I remember the most, um, is. It's one with um, there are a few different ones. I've seen the black and white one, like maybe the original one with like, is it Alistair Sim? Can't remember the guy's name, but like I've seen that one a fair amount. And that's like an old like, you know, maybe the original big A Christmas Carol one. And then um, there's one with George C. Scott as uh, as Scrooge, which is are you, are you just thinking of man gets hit in the groin with football? Yes, I am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I love that I knew what you what you were laughing <laughs> what I was about. Laughing at. Yeah. Um no, but it's it, it's it's a good one. He like I, I feel like he is um he 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 makes a very good Scrooge, and I think it's one of the better ones um there is. Um I always liked Muppet Christmas Carol too, but I came to that one kind of later. Even like I don't even think I saw it when it came out, which is weird because it came out like when I when we were like twelve or thirteen. And that was like, you know, I, I liked all kinds of Muppet stuff back then. Um, so I don't know why I wouldn't have watched it at the time, but I watched it much later, um, but still liked it a fair amount. So I just showed that to my daughter this year and she loved it and then proceeded to want to watch a whole bunch of other Muppet movies after that. Nice. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Also, I feel like Michael Caine really commits, I think is Scrooge in that that movie, which I, I appreciate. There is, um, I, I, when you said that there was an audio book of, um, of Christmas Carol with Patrick Stewart. It like made me think it's like, there is a movie, right? And and I looked it up. It's like, yeah, it's like, cause when you said Patrick Stewart, I was like, I've seen Patrick Stewart as Scrooge. Um, I've seen that too, but, I, but a while ago and I, and I think the audiobook is better than the movie. Honestly. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I couldn't remember very much about it. Although looking at it, it's interesting. Cause um, it's got a few random people in it um so so the the main three people who are listed are um patrick stewart is scrooge um bob cratchit is richard e grant which is oh, kind of interesting yeah I yeah would not have known that and then um joel gray plays the ghost of christmas past who's that which is kind of interesting um you know he, he's the mc in cabaret um that's oh. a, like he won an oscar for that but yeah he's in a lot of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. um and um dominic west has some small role in it as fred whoever fred is but he's but he's listed in the cast 
Classic so Dickens character, Fred. Fred, yeah. We all remember Fred. <laughs> um, I did look it up, by the way. The, the audiobook came out in 2006. And I do like the opening description for Patrick Stewart, which is the star of X-Men and the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> Sums it up nicely. Yep. I'm very surprised that Star Trek did not get a mention there. Uh, must have, the X-Men movies must have just been big at the time, I guess. I guess, right? But it's like, I mean... Patrick Stewart's been in a lot of stuff and all that, but like, and and I know that Professor X is like a big role of his, but I still gotta think that everybody thinks of him as Captain Picard first, right? Even even if they don't know his name is Captain Picard, I would I would feel like if you thought of Patrick Stewart, you think of him in a Starfleet uniform. I would think so. I yeah. mean, I mean, come on, pretty with the with the exception of Scott Bakula. Once you're a Star Trek captain, that's what you're thought of forever. Right. Fair enough. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You can email us. Um, <laughs> we should say that. Yeah. So you can send us an email. You can send it to us at talk to podflix at gmail.com. Now we can. Oh boy. No, no, no. You forgot about that one thing. Well, one thing. The other thing? The we're not thing? doing the other thing. The, the thing. I thought we we're not doing the thing. No, we have to do the thing. You know, where Nish pees the bed. Oh boy. Ah. Uh. <laughs>